Hey friends, welcome to This Good Word. My name is Steve Weens, your host, as always, and we are in the fourth part of this Advent series leading up to the fourth Sunday in Advent. This week, Ruth and I will talk about Joseph, the husband of Mary, who gets some news in a dream from an angel that Mary is pregnant. And he makes a plan, uh, and he actually goes counter to what his culture would expect of him, which would result in great embarrassment for him. And it's the plan that he makes that gets interrupted by a dream. Uh, And what he hears in that dream is from an angel, and he wakes up in a way that's really fascinating. And so we talk about in this episode, what is the speed of belief? Like how fast do you believe something that you believe or that you think is from God? And then what do you do with that? How do you move forward with a decision when maybe you don't even know if you fully believe it? So in this episode, my hope is that no matter where you're at in terms of your own belief, that you believe that you might just wake up to what God has for you. Enjoy. A reading from Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. Hi, Ruth. Well, I'd like to start this episode by reading the quote, very short quote from Thomas Merton from his book, Thoughts in Solitude, um, because I think it's a great tee up. And then I want to ask you a question about the nature of of Joseph and, and what he did with the walk of faith. But the quote is this, again, Thomas Merton from Thoughts in Solitude, and I quote, sooner or later, if we follow Christ, we have to risk everything in order to gain everything. We have to gamble on the invisible and risk all that we see and taste and feel. But we know the risk is worth it because there's nothing more insecure than this transient world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love Thomas Burton so much. Yeah. Um, introduce us to Joseph in this particular week of scripture passages and, and then start lead us into what you see as his walk of faith. Mm -hmm. Well, 
I just love the character of Joseph because I think he is the unsung hero of the Christmas story. And we try to sing him, but I don't think he ever gets all he deserves. No. Um, because, you know, the greatest story ever told actually begins with this real moral dilemma with a, a real couple, a man and a woman who are in a relationship together. And um, I, I believe they, they really love each other. And not only that, they've been betrothed to each other. And they have maintained a chaste relationship, which takes a lot of discipline. Yeah. And they've maintained this chaste relationship, um, really trying to honor God and how they do their relationship. So they have not come together sexually yet. And yet Mary finds out she's pregnant. And the question comes, well, what's a man to do? Yeah. You know, like, what are you supposed to think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when this happens to you, when you're the man in the relationship. I mean, it's a tough, tough situation yeah. for everybody involved. And um, I, I believe that when we are under pressure, what's really true in us comes out. And Joseph is under a great deal of pressure. And in the midst of this pressure where he could have believed, and maybe he did for a while, who knows, that he had been profoundly betrayed by the woman that he loved. But in the midst of that pressure, in the midst of what could have been seen as a betrayal, um, he chooses to do the good and kind thing because Joseph is just simply a good man. So this week of Advent is for the good men um, in the world. Like we are cheering them. We are raising um, our glass to them because there are these really good men in the world who are solid and who make our stories happen. And in this case, it is Joseph who from his very good heart comes up with a plan to dismiss her privately when he finds out that she's pregnant. He's not going to make a big deal out of it. He's not going to come out in anger and try to shame her publicly or anything like that. He continues to love her even when he feels he may have been betrayed. Um, and so what's interesting here is that he comes up with this plan and that is to put Mary away quietly. And it was a fine plan. It was a good plan. It was a good human plan, but it was a plan that was developed solely from a human perspective because Joseph did not know yet what God was doing. Right. So all he could do was make a human plan. Um, and then eventually though, God calls him into this deeper walk of faith. And that is to wake up, to see his situation in light of what God is doing, even though it seems so completely improbable, you know, that Mary was pregnant by the Holy Spirit and actually to change his approach because God was doing something miraculous and Joseph needed to make some choices that were consistent with it. So in other words, he had to relinquish his own plan in order to respond to God's plan. And, oh, I just, I have so much regard for him when I see him able to move from what he had thought his way into mm -hmm. to now fully understanding and acknowledging and actually believing with deep faith that God was in it. And, oh, I, I just, I think there's so much regard for the kind of faith that it took for Joseph to walk out his journey right next to Mary in the Christmas story. I agree, Ruth. And I'm so glad that you brought up the fact that actually his choice, you know, to quote, put her away quietly, really, I mean, that, that was in that culture, in that time, that would have been a very radically generous thing to yes, do. Yes, very loving, rather than, I mean, in that culture... I mean, she would have been seen to be an immoral woman at that yeah. point, and they she could have, have stoned, been stoned. Her. She could, she have, been could have been stoned in the square. Yeah. So what I like is that you you pointed out that Joseph had a good idea, like Joseph had a good plan. It, it just was a human plan. It was it was not the yes, plan. and without it didn't yet acknowledge the spiritual nature of what was happening, you know, which is discernment, isn't it? Yeah. To see what's really happening spiritually speaking in any given situation is the gift of discernment. 
and he just hadn't had it. He didn't. He hadn't been given it yet. In Matthew one, I mean, I'll read it. It's just one verse. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife. And the way I read scripture is that like the literal meaning is really important, but there's more going on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Richard Rohr yep. calls that the basement meaning, the literal. There's more there than just saying that Joseph was asleep and he was actually dreaming. And no, it's saying, yes, he was asleep, but in a very real way, he woke up. He woke up to the spirit. He woke up to what God was doing. Yes. Well, and the other interesting thing in this passage to me is that the, the, you know, the mean, the, the, the meaningfulness, the significance of dreams. Yes. That, you know, Joseph saw what he saw in a dream and oftentimes we dismiss dreams right. in our culture, but I don't see anything in Scripture that indicates that God doesn't still work through dreams. Um, so I, f- I find that to be a very interesting part of Joseph's. Well, the whole Christmas story happened in and through dreams. The unconscious, gentle dream is where God meets Joseph. I just love that, uh, and that's why yes. I'll get, that's God moves that way. Yes, that when our defenses are down, God finds us and tells us things that we might not be able to hear or see when all of our defenses are up and raging. And I can just imagine as Joseph wakes up, both literally and metaphorically, and then he realizes, oh my gosh, now I have to tell my family what I'm going to do. And that's a frightening moment, is it not? Because it's one thing to hear it and wake up, but it's another thing to do it. And that's the walk Mm -hmm. of faith. Okay. So that brings me really to two questions. And here they are. Okay, number one, what is the speed of belief? And what I mean by that is how long do you think it took Joseph to really believe? Mm-hmm. Uh, like was it in that moment that the angel told him or was there a piece of believing that came later because he mm-hmm. took the next right step? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, I wish there was a way to know. Yeah. I wish there was a way to know a little bit more about what went on inside Joseph. Like, I wish we knew um, what he was thinking, what he felt, how he prayed, how, you know, how he talked to God, what those interactions were like. Um, even more about the deep love of his heart for Mary, you know, because yeah. he loved her even more than he loved his own well being. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, he just wasn't going to sacrifice her no yeah. matter what. Um, so. I, I wish I wish we knew. I don't I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about it? I do. I mean, um, that was kind of an yes. unfair question. Maybe it was a leading question there, Steve. I but aren't just, you glad I volleyed I, it back to you? There yes, you go. Yes. <laughs> this is my conviction. Most of the time, we want to 100% believe before we have to take the step, right? We want certainty, I think. Um we think we need to believe and have peace 100% before we move. But what I read in Scripture, even way back to Abraham and Genesis and chapter 12, that God calls us to take the next right step to a place that God shows us. So I think there's something to faith. It's just taking the next right step, not knowing where it's going to lead, because I don't think it's faith if it's all laid out for you, even if it's hard to yeah. do. Well, and I, in fact, I think we all would like to talk about having a faith journey without without having to have any real faith. 
100%. You know, like, yes. I want to talk to you about my faith journey, but I do not want to be asked to really have faith. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes, exactly. So my second question was, do, do, do we have faith, quote unquote? Uh, do we do we own faith? Or I like how you put it, do, do we walk in faith? Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't think we possess faith. I really yeah. don't. And and if we don't take, if we're not willing to take the faith step, then we certainly don't have it. That our faith is seen and lived out through through the step we're willing to take. And and I'm thinking yeah. as you're speaking about that, I'm thinking of the priests in Joshua four where oh, they yeah. were required to step into the Jordan River before it stopped flowing. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. and it was raging. It was at it was at its height. Yep. And their job as leaders, as priests, was to step into the Jordan River in front of everybody before the waters had been backed up, yep. before the, the river had stopped flowing, they were to take the step. And I just think, wow, isn't that sort of the microcosm of leadership, you know, where you're taking your own step of faith, you don't want to make a fool of yourself, but you're being asked to do it in front of everybody. And your faith journey then becomes, you know, the impetus for everybody's faith journey in a way. So if walking in faith as a leader, we, we don't want to look like a fool in front of everybody. <laughs> yes. Right. Uh, that can sound like a throwaway line. I mean, but if you're a leader in any sense, the last thing you want to look like is a fool. Uh, the last thing you want to do is in your human spirit to show that you don't know the way you don't know what you're doing. You haven't been there before. But faith seems to require that of us. And that's part really of what I love about about you and what you write. Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership, your book, is the story of Moses is so impactful for me because I think about his journey. And I think like three days into leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, three days into the wilderness, and he can't find water. And they are cursing him. He's the worst person ever. And, you know, on one level, he has found no water. Like, these people are going to die, right? Because he hasn't found water. Right. He is a fool to do that. And he must have felt Mm -hmm. like a fool. But he consistently, and what you bring out in the book, he consistently takes his frustrations, his limitations, his confusion, and failure, and he takes it to God. And I think even that is walking in faith, right? So at times he even conf- he de- he defends yeah. his people uh, to God, and God says, "Hey, I'm going to wipe those people out." And Moses says, "No, I I don't think you should. That's not who you are." And so there are so many examples in the scriptures of people who are trying to walk mm-hmm. out their faith foolishly. And God meets them there, right? Yeah. And, oh, I just think this is very inspiring. But also, let's never buy into the get rich quick, the five mm-hmm. easy steps, the leadership, seven easy steps, 10 ways to lead. If you're walking into any position of Christian or spiritual leadership, 100%, you will be met with those moments where you feel like a fool. Yeah. And then what will you do? Mm-hmm. Well, and there's this phrase in the Romans passage for this week, Romans 1, 1 through 7. Um, but it's this little, it's this phrase in verse 5, the obedience of faith. 
through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. That's, I think, more what it is, isn't it? It's not, it's not about belief in your head. It's about being obedient, doing the next, doing the next thing that God is, is asking us to do, whether it makes any sense at all, whether it makes us look like a fool or not. There's a, it's, it's about the obedience of faith, being obedient to our faith. And I think that phrase really does describe Joseph in, in an amazing way. Yeah. What are some practices that you might recommend for this fourth mm-hmm. Sunday in Advent? Well, I'm going to suggest a pretty challenging one, and that is relinquishment of our own plans. <laughs> no, no, um, don't say yes, that. I don't know, do that. Please terrible, don't. But that's what I see in Joseph's story and his walk of faith is that when it became clear that his plan was not the plan spiritually, that it didn't really correspond to what was happening spiritually, that it didn't correspond to what God was doing. He relinquished his own plan, which was a good plan, but limited. And he was able to embrace God's plan for his life, which was still painful. I mean, who knows? I wish we ever knew when Joseph got to discover or find out that the baby that Mary carried really was conceived by the Holy Spirit. When did he get to come into that true knowledge inside himself in a way that gave him peace? You know, I don't know. We don't know a a lot about Joseph's journey, but we do know that he was obedient to faith, that he chose to believe something and he was obedient to it. And so I wonder if there's any place in our own lives where this obedience to faith is required. That's what I want to ask. Is there a place in your life and mine where obedience to faith is required and where it might even require us to relinquish our own plan, decent plan, though it might have been? in order to embrace a plan that might be a little crazier, but that is definitely God's plan. And that's a, it's a, that's a deep invitation. It's a deep practice. Anything that involves relinquishment on a human level is, is very significant, I think. But of course, it opens up to receiving what God has to bring and has to give. So the reflection would be where in my life is faith required or obedience to faith required and then the the practice would be relinquishment in small ways and in large ways um, to relinquish our own plans. And just to go back to the season that we're in, the juxtaposition here of Advent with the secular holiday of Christmas, um, the way we practice it in our culture, there are even some small things that we could practice as relinquishment. You know, like I'm not going to overdo it with the gifts. I'm going to relinquish my plans you know, for that, or I'm going to relinquish that last batch of Christmas cookies, or, you know what I'm saying? The thing that keeps me from the thing I want the most, the thing that keeps me from being present to the coming of Christ in my life, I'm going to relinquish it um, to, you know, give myself to God's plans. So um, that would be what I would, you know, be suggesting for us as we're now in the deepest part of Advent before we get to enter into Christmas tide. So I'd like to give us a way to help us pray um, as we, you know, continue to walk out our own journeys of faith. Um, and here it is. Go ahead and, you know, enter into that beautiful prayer posture. Um, feet flat on the floor, back straight, hands open to receive. God of all wisdom, whose ways are beyond my own, show me the limitations of relying on my own plans. Hmm. Help me to wake up to what you are inviting me to. 
a crazy step of faith, a sweet surrender, an act of blind trust. Like Joseph, give me the courage to follow you in the obedience of faith, wherever it may lead. For it is in you I trust. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ruth. I hope you've enjoyed this episode talking about Advent. And I hope in this season you're able to name those places in your life that feel dark, that you need the power of the Christ to come. I hope you've had the vulnerability uh, to push past even that fear that maybe the Christ won't come. And I hope this is a transformative season for you where you're surprised, where you are expectant, and where someone and something meets you. If you've enjoyed the music on this episode, it's by my friend Latifa, who sings under many different monikers, but this particular one is Paige CXVI. And you can check out her website, pagecxvi.com for her upcoming album with Adria Saad, which is going to be beautiful, but also to purchase the music that you heard on this episode, which comes from her album, Advent to Christmas. Thanks for listening.